0: The IEP Radio, a show dedicated to the education of all things indoor environmental quality related. And now here's your host, Michael Schrantz.
1: Welcome to IEP Radio. This is Episode 21. Today we're going to be talking with the Air Conditioning Contractors of America, or ACCA, and we'll be speaking with Matt Atkins, who is the manager of the HVACR Education Department. The reason for this podcast is I really wanted to share with folks uh, a resource as it pertains to uh, wanting to have their HVAC systems inspected, uh, cleaned, and cover uh, high level concerns that we run into uh, as it pertains to when to clean, when to replace, what are the guidelines? What are your expectations as an end user? Uh, because duck work is a touchy thing, and I don't think anybody has a black and white answers, but we have ways to guide us through. And I think ACCA really sets the standard um, and provides resources for you, including ways to even find local professionals in your area that can help ensure or increase the confidence that your job's going to be done the right way. Matt's going to help me get that done today. I want to talk to you a little bit about Matt. His responsibilities as the manager of the education de- department is developing technical educational materials working with ACCA certified educators on outreach and scheduling, and providing technical support to members. Matt brings 16 years of HVAC experience to ACCA. He spent the last five years as a technical trainer, teaching HVAC curriculum to hundreds of students across the country. He managed all aspects of the training process, which consisted of designing classes for duct design, refrigeration, and HVAC system diagnostics. He was also responsible for editing existing classes and making them current with current codes and laws. This guy is packed with a wealth of information. He's a great guy, and I look forward to speaking with him. Welcome to the show, Matt.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here.
1: Uh, We appreciate the opportunity. Um, You know, I wanted to bring the audience kind of into the fold of today's conversation just for a moment. Um, We talk a lot about the air conditioning system or the HVAC system. And when it comes to indoor air quality, big picture, there's a lot of moving parts. We get into uh, duct cleaning, cleaning of the system components, uh, the timing, the methods. And even in talking with you a bit offline before we went live here, um, there's even a real bigger issue too about appreciating the background of the person stepping foot in your in your home to do the work or your building. In other words, that the company that's coming up is... Uh, you know, meeting some minimum qualifications for industry standards so that you know what you're getting. Um, Because if you don't have a solid foundation, if you don't have a company that really, you know, has that education and knowledge, none of the other stuff really matters. It kind of just falls apart. So I was hoping we'd start today by having you kind of give our audience high-level background about ACCA, a little bit about its history and kind of maybe where, you know, its its, its vision and main role today is.
2: Sure. uh, That's no problem at all. Uh, So Aca is the Air Conditioning Contractors of America. We're a large trade organization that represents uh, a lot of members across the United States. In fact, we're uh, in all 50 states. And we're an organization that helps write standards, for example, on how to size equipment, doing a load calculation, how to properly size ducts, uh, and how to properly size equipment. Um, I know a lot of contractors out there when they're gonna sell someone a piece of equipment, they look at the model and seal number and they go, oh, that's a two ton, let's put a two ton back in. And that's not always right. So we write the standards on the best way to size the equipment. We also write the standards for best practices on how to do maintenance, you know, for example, to get everybody on the same page. And the uh, practices and standards for you know duct cleaning, which we reference um, other organizations to take a deeper dive in that, but we just write everything to give the client the best service that they deserve. Instead of this tribal learning rule of thumb, we actually write the science and the best, me- the best methods behind it to deliver a quality product.
1: Absolutely. And I know you know I'm salivating at the mouth to talk a little bit about the duct cleaning system clean, but, uh, I, you know, you reminded me before we got on today about bigger picture uh, kind of considerations. Uh, imagine uh, the concern of our audience might be multiple, but they're ultimately wanting to have their air conditioning system inspected. Could you kind of turn that chapter and say, what is it that ATCA has available for those companies and things that the audience can keep in mind as a way to vet or verify these companies are doing best practices, that sort of thing?
2: Sure. Um, so number one, we have our quality contractors, people that are certified through ATCA that uh, can deliver that service, whether it's going to be sizing up equipment or dealing with ENERGY STAR homes. So we have our quality assured contractor and you can go to our website and type in your zip code and do a search within so many miles and find a contractor in your area that is following our practices. Um, The other thing is though, when customers have people into their home It's always good for the technician to sit down with the homeowner and ask them some questions about about their system, whether it's a first time customer or a long repeated customer. Um, I always tell people, it's like going to the doctor, when you go to the doctor, no matter how many times you go, how many visits, they do the same thing in the beginning, they're checking your blood pressure, they're checking all your vitals. And it's very important for a technician to sit down with a consumer and ask them some questions. For example, are there any rooms that are hard to heat or cool, do odors linger? Um, is the equipment loud you know just stuff like that because most homeowners will either not tell them because they don't know or they're afraid they're going to find something Uh, but in the end the technician really needs to know so he can prescribe the best uh, remedy to deliver you know a comfortable house with the equipment
1: right exactly so minimum um Uh, amount of it. you need to have asked the right questions uh when a homeowner or building o- owner or occupant um you know certainly they can use the, the searching tool to kind of uh, hedge their bets that they're finding somebody who's got the right background that meets your guys' specifications is there any resources that they have that they can review themselves to get an idea of what they should be seen by this inspector that ACCA yeah, okay. has
2: yeah then we can go to our website uh www.acca.org
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we also
2: have free, uh, excuse me, we have free resources online for the public to download, for example, our quality maintenance program. Uh, it's a standard that we've written on the best practices on how to do a proper maintenance when you're in someone's house. And not only is it for the homeowner, but it's also for the technician in your home that gives them a checklist to make sure that they are checking everything consistently at the same time, because it's, it's very frustrating from a homeowner standpoint that you get one technician from a company, then you get another technician from that company and they're not checking the same thing. They're not on the same page. And our standard, our standards provide a very nice checklist on what should be checked, how often it should be checked and what to do in the event that you find something that's maybe outside that manufacturer's specification or causing the homeowner an issue on how to get that handled.
1: So uh, and I, I might be butchering this up and you might have to get me back online. When you say a resource for them, are you referring to standard four? Is it one of these documents I have up on my screen?
2: Yeah, standard four for right. our quality
1: maintenance. There it is. Sorry, I had that up earlier. Yeah, um, but- this is the document, which is free, I might remind the audience. And we'll provide a link uh, on the uh, video information later so you can click it if, uh, if you'd like to. But this is the document that Matt's talking about.
2: Yeah, that is absolutely free for the public. You can go there and print that off. Um, if you have any listeners that just happen to be HVAC guys in the field, you know, servicing customers, this is a great tool for them to use as well to deliver uh, the expectation of the customers that have this and they expect to have a, a proper service done.
1: So, definitely a great starting point for the audience especially when a lot of times folks don't have the benefit of having somebody like you to quarterback the situation as much as they'd like to have a mat on their shoulder to say you know hey no this ain't right or this is right this is if if you're willing and you're listening to do the research this is a great starting point it's great information it it was well written thought out and provides the think of it as like the skeletal structure the minimum of what you should be seeing by a contractor coming out to that house Um, moving forward a little bit obviously there's some hot topics uh, that come up in our industry um and i want to get ACA's position and even approach if they have one uh to certain topics and i'll keep it easy to start with we get in the issue of duct cleaning or system cleaning um we get into this issue more specifically of cleaning versus replacement now your standard six which is the document that you're seeing here on the screen right now is probably one of the most well-written documents. I can't imagine the amount of hours spent putting this together, uh, being on my own committees and doing the same thing. Um, and we haven't produced something this robust. Um, how does this document, how can this document help a client figure out whether or not a cleaning method might be good or replacement might be an option? And let's focus on duck work maybe to start with.
0: All
2: right, we'll just start with the duct work. So uh, this document right here is for technicians and consumers uh, to figure out, well, what is it we're dealing with? Are we dealing with flex duct? We're we dealing with metal duct? Um, so there's a, there's two procedures if you're gonna uh, replace those or clean those, because it's two different materials. Sure. Um, but this document is, is definitely gonna uh, help people make a decision on is this system so dirty that even if we attempt to clean it is it going to be worth the time and money spent and is it going to deliver the results the expectation that has either been set by the technician or the expectation by the homeowner or this can take take us into the option will probably be because of certain circumstances if you'd be better off putting in a new duct system for example but this document also focuses on source control, because if you, if you have a, a company, let's say they, hey, we're gonna put in new ducts for you, but if they don't seal those ducts correctly, you can bet those ducts are gonna become dirty really fast because they're pulling in dirty, damp, unchecked air from various places that it's not supposed to be pulling air from.
1: No, oh, even the example you used earlier offline about the bleach and people pouring it down the condensate line, uh, the long-term, even medium short-term problems of it reacting with the glue. And now you've you've thought you've, repla- you've got rid of one problem. You've actually replaced possibly with another and even a compounding uh, one where maybe now the condensate line is dripping at the intersections because someone poured something that they thought was the appropriate, um, call it a disinfectant or cleaning agent uh, to take care of the problem. Uh, people... Don't understand these consequences. I think this document does a good job keeping them honest and not doing things they shouldn't be doing.
2: Right, and you know, and a pretty easy example for anybody listening is that if you ever uh, had your system come on and you notice the doors start closing by themselves, turn the system on, the door slams closed. Yeah. Well, that's going to be generally you have an imbalance in your duct system. You know, something uh, could be leaking or uh, the system's starting for air is sucking air where it can it even closes the door so that's a clue uh, for people listening that if you've noticed that you might want to have someone come out and uh, check and see if the ducts are sealed correctly they're balanced their size correctly check the static pressure because the uh, the folks that put the bleach down the drain line which we don't recommend but uh if your static pressure is so high and that's really the blood pressure of the system the static pressure is so high it could end up sucking the water and chemicals out of a drain line and putting it back into the system and where it's uh, coming downstream into the supplies.
1: Absolutely. You know, and, and not to go totally, uh, you know, off uh, our path, but you know, just hearing you talk about this stuff, it's, it's a, it's a real challenging industry because I think the HVAC system, um, gets blamed for a lot of things, uh, (laughs) that aren't necessarily uh, fair, or correct, to put be be more factually um, correct uh, in the terminology, we have to be careful because there's a lot of moving parts and and Matt's just giving you a taste of little secondary things that you might be seeing that somebody, however, who's properly trained um, has the, the background, has the training, the education that ACA most definitely supports and that you can find using their resources are less inclined to miss. They're more inclined to identify it and go okay well this means something else let's take a look at that so again yet another reason um the other thing that i was impressed with about this particular standard um because i think it it speaks to kind of that it takes a village e- effort to to work with people sometimes one model doesn't fit for everybody is the sentence i have highlighted here about you know sometimes you need to bring in a third party um maybe you could speak a little bit to why this sentence is here in the first place.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Michael, you know, that, uh, you get a technician out there, you know, for example, let's say this guy's a five year, got five years experience under his belt. He knows what he can and can't navigate. And he goes to the customer's house and he pulls out the filter or he's checking the evaporator coil and he sees this black stuff growing on onsi- inside the plenum. It's on the fiberglass or the metal, Now, he doesn't have, in this example, he doesn't have the certification or education to tell that customer with 100% confidence that's mold or that's X, Y, and Z. And this is why we mentioned having a third-party consultant come in to someone who is qualified and trained to tell the customer this is exactly what you have and here are the options to remedy that because you have to know what you're working with, but uh, a technician who's not qualified uh, should not go in your home and say that's mold unless, you know, they're a certified air hygienist or they have the background to do that. That's why we reference a third-party consultant to come in for those uh, issues that may be outside the technician's comfort zone, so to speak.
1: And very appropriate. Um, very, uh, I wouldn't say it was expected, but it's nice to see this because it just reminds the reader that hey, listen, you you you're going to do a really good job within your parameters. But when we, and that's the thing, is we deal with clients a lot of times where health is the reason we're working with them. Um, although I, I I I understand it's relative. I mean, I don't think people wake up one day and say, hey, let's just do a duct cleaning because we feel like it. Usually, there's a there's a reason and a motivation behind it. Um, the level of people that we see and we work with are those two percenters, those five percenters. They're not the people that are usually complaining about a seasonal allergy. So I love the fact that this is there because I think it honors that limitation. Um, We're probably going to refer back to the, the theme of, the, of, of bringing in a third party as we kind of go high level. And I certainly don't want to put you uh, on the spot, uh, meaning I'm not asking you to read word for word, but I want to walk, walk the audience through this document because it's such a huge one um, and, and so important today's interview. The document covers minimum qualifications. You can see that right there. We've highlighted. That's great. It's just a taste of who, who should be doing this type of work. A building survey. Hey, before we get too far, let's take a look and see if there's uh, other underlying factors that might be an issue that need to be identified. And then eventually, you get into the visual assessment. High level, Matt, can you kind of just let our audience know what section 3.3 is about what it looks like?
2: Yeah, it's just the uh, internal condition of the system for visual cleanliness. This is where they're checking in there to make sure that no insulation's wet. The insulation hasn't come off the side of the uh, plenum or off the side of the door uh, where the equipment butts up, where the blower motor is. Uh, This will require them to get out an inspection camera to inspect those areas that cannot be seen easily from their vantage point. uh, you know, meaning they will have to get out a camera to see what's behind that blower motor or if you have a, uh, a horizontal coil, what's on the other side of those coil, the inlet, the outlet side. It's really it's really for them to uh, take their time to visually look at what's going on inside the system um, because it's more than just dirt and dust, you know, you have humidity issues, and if the system's reaching dew point, then you're gonna start having a rainforest inside that cabinet, and that's the, the last thing you want. So the visual cleanliness and the internal condition is, is there anything that could be causing this issue that we have not been able to, to diagnose looking at the exterior of the equipment or the duct system
1: right to your point you made earlier no point in fixing something or replacing something i should say if you haven't fixed the the reason for it, the occurrence or the source in the first place right they'll be doing it again they'll be getting a call and maybe the contractor will be happy but the homeowner or the owner uh, the occupant won't be uh, um,
2: Yeah, that's true i mean i i think most people are happy to see their hvac people on a on a two-time-a-year basis, but when you make it a visit every other day, every other week, people don't want to see contractors that much. They want to get it done right the first time and move on with their lives.
1: Understandable. Um, get into section 3.4. Obviously, what I'm reading here is just a culmination of everything they've seen, because ultimately we're trying to figure out, do we need to rep- clean or replace um, obviously a scope of work can then be provided, which is a very normal part of the process. And then uh, cleaning techniques, which I imagine are is this part where the, uh, well in this case, the uh, HVAC company or duck cleaning company is literally describing how they plan to attack that, uh, whatever the problem is. When you get into the actual cleaning, so this is a big meat and potatoes part of this document section four. Um, you guys do a great job again, in my opinion, uh, talking about the importance of containment, can you high level walk folks through this section, uh, kind of like, you know, what are they doing first? What are they doing next? Um, just so the people here can get a better understanding.
2: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. You know, depending on what they're doing, if they're, uh, it doesn't matter if they're doing a system replacement or duct cleaning or replacing the duct system is that you don't want to start bringing in equipment or pulling material out that is contaminated and have it be brought all through the house. Amen. Um, um, I've seen a lot of where guys have replaced ductwork that's gotten wet and they just drag it through someone's house. And yep. instead of bagging it up in an, in an industrial-grade bag, making sure it's not, not going to go anywhere, that's what the containment is. Uh, you know, They should be blocking off you know, the vents and registers when they're disconnecting stuff to keep it uh, from falling down between the boots, for, for example. And when you kick the system backs on it, it pulls all that stuff out there. If they're bringing the equipment into the house for some reason that they need to have a monitor to be able to check that air, because if, they, uh, if the air is dirtier when they're done, clearly you brought some containment in and that needs to be addressed as well. So it's all about controlling that source of containment Um, so people don't have to have this repeated over and over again, or it doesn't solve their problem.
1: Well, and going back to that, that third party consultant, for those of you that are listening, when, if you find that there's a lot of moving parts or there's other variables and you kind of want that quarterback there for you to guide you, this is when you would pick up the phone or get on Google or what and look for a a local IEP in your area who can come out there and help you with the other concerns that you may very well have that are just not simply covered in this type of a document that hence the whole it takes a village. Um, Okay, physical dislodgement, what does this mean?
2: Uh, The physical dislodgement is, I've seen it to where (laughs) we've found uh, clothes and other items that have been uh, sucked into the system that may be blocking the airflow or what have you or Where'd the cat um, go. Okay. The cat or the um, since I'm in Georgia, our favorite animal, the possum gets up there and makes a nest inside the duck and the customer's wondering, you know, what does that smell? And we've uh, done duck cleaning or taken ducks off and we have physically removed animals and rodents that have died in the duck system that wow. has been causing that odor odor. So that's what we're talking about is a uh, physical dislodgement is actually Physically removing something out of that airway and out of the system. So it's not there anymore.
1: I guess I shouldn't be surprised that that is more common than my mind originally thought, but that's not what I thought when we were thinking physical dislodgement. So I'm glad I cut the clarification. Um, what, what about particle transport? Uh, help the audience here.
2: Yeah, particle transport is really goes back to that source controls that we're trying to minimize. Uh, for example, let's say you have some duct, you're taking the duct out. We don't want the... And being drunk, this is Jones's house. We want to keep that uh, particle contained as much as possible in an industrial-grade trash bag, tying it off, sealing it up, and then removing it out of the home. That way, everything stays in that bag and does not contaminate the, the air and the uh, building around it.
1: So really, it could be contaminated pieces, insulation, of that matter. In my mind, I don't know if I'm getting too far ahead of myself in the in the standard, but I was thinking, how do you control the particles that you're kicking up during the actual cleaning of the ductwork? You're just talking about transporting contaminated materials properly from their or, or original location to outdoors. Right. Okay, understood. Uh, contaminant removal, physical removal of contaminants shall be the method for HVAC Remediation. I like this uh, comment because I think the point of it was to um, highlight that spraying to kill is not recommended. Is that a fair? Is that a fair thing here, or can I word it differently?
2: Hey, yeah, you can word it differently.
1: Okay. The use of any resurfacing products or antimicrobial approaches, i.e., sanitizers, ozone, or ultraviolet light, as a substitute. For particle removal and detailed cleaning shall not be used. I think that's pretty clear.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, we don't want people. Well, our standard doesn't want anybody going up there and putting any sanitizers and stuff on there. Where it's not going to, where it's going to try to remove it is that. Let's say you have a coil that's just completely caked in hair, dirt, dust, and grime. Uh, you know, sticking this stuff on there it may not be the best option where you actually have to replace that physical piece of you know whatever it may be the coil is very popular in the united states it gets so dirty and has so much stuff on there
1: sure sure agreed okay um when you get into section 4.3 we talk about uh equipment or cleaning equipment i think that's pretty straightforward it's just the idea that makes sure that when uh, an outfit comes into the home that they're having clean equipment because this this equipment is used on many homes um, I doubt you're going to be the first client with the new equipment. Um, and so this standard goes into detail. We won't get into it. I think it's self explanatory, but just making sure the stuff is up to snuff, it's clean, new filters, that sort of thing. You don't want to use, in case you're not clear on this section to the audience, that is, uh, dirty equipment, old filters from another home that could have had, you know, a contaminated. And I know we use that word loosely. But something that's not wanted, you don't want them to drag that from their home into yours. So this is just one extra way, hey, pay attention, this does matter. So to the audience, if you see a contractor show up to your house and you can see dust just flying off of the equipment that they're about to roll into your home, it should be a red flag for you to hit the brake and say, let's talk about this a little bit. Oh, and by the way, we have a standard right here that you can reference uh, in case you get into uh, some sort of a conversation where you need to say this is the right way to do it.
2: Absolutely.
1: Um. Building isolation, I know I didn't highlight it, I will now, what's that all about?
2: Oh, hang on, the screen froze up here a little bit.
1: Did it, okay, we can still see you. Um, uh, is it on 4.4 right now for you?
2: Yeah, there it is. Okay, got it. Yeah, so basically what we're talking about building isolation is, is that if you're going to, whatever you're gonna remove, for example, out of that building is that you wanna, let's say we're doing something in the basement, of okay. a house or building wherever, that you wanna just keep it isolated to that area to where you're not gonna be cross-contaminating, let's say an area that you're not really working in yeah, or sure. has not been planned to work in. So, And then it's also talking about using the HEPA filter yeah. to to, uh, to collect any fine particles that may not be caught by you know a standard one-inch filter you can get at Home Depot or Lowe's. Right. Um, yeah, because you know, uh, some of those cannot always <laughs> no. meet the expectations.
1: Absolutely not, and agreed. Um, so the whole point is you're trying to minimize your footprint as a company coming into this building. You're going to focus on just your areas of concern. So if we're able to isolate other areas and otherwise clean the air, and really provide that boundary or that uh, barrier, if you will, that's all the more. Uh, that's that just increases your confidence level that you don't have to worry about cross contamination that may come from other steps.
2: Right. We're just trying to keep the trauma to a minimum and not spread it everywhere. You just want to do, you want to contractors to come in that they're going to, you know, lay what I call lay down the red carpet. That way they're not going to track mud and stuff in your home, but they're also going to take extra care of keeping the rest of your home clean when they're moving out the old equipment and bringing in the new equipment. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I've had people buy, you know, fifteen twenty dollars 20000 HVAC system, but then they put this old ductwork back on it. See and see a lot. It, and it's so, it is so dirty within a matter of months. And, you know, it shouldn't have been that way.
1: No, understood completely. We won't dive into, you know, word for word for the next section 4.5, but can you maybe take a few minutes and kind of walk uh, people through this next section? This, this is describing, certainly there's the pressure differentials, but it's also talking about how to clean different surfaces and the techniques. Is that what this is about? It's the, now you're diving into... We're gonna vacuum surfaces uniformly. We're gonna wipe things down. This is where they can find the actual steps. Is that fair to say here?
2: Yeah, that's fair to say. Um so I don't want to get too deep into that, but I this get it.
1: Is- you can be on the phone for eight hours. I get it.
2: Uh, absolutely. Uh, but this is where you want to identify. You know, do you have metal ductwork? Do you have flexible ductwork? Uh, for example, I'm just kind of jumping down but you see Please. electric heating. I do. And electric reheating coils is that some of those are so bad that, you know, you have to get those cleaned off as well. I know a lot of people that have electric heat that when they kick on the emergency heat, you get this burning smell. And right. I've had a uh, cat hair and stuff stuck to it and it smells like cats in the house. And that's because the electric heat was not cleaned. but there is a process in this standard on how to clean various surfaces. And if the insulation's wet, can you get it dried out in 24 hours? Or does it doesn't need to be replaced.
1: Got it. This document is so powerful because it, it, it gets into work sequence. It talks about even protecting clean surfaces of the ductwork. It acknowledges that you know, there's going to be pathways and methods that might cross-contaminate during the cleaning process, which you're trying to avoid. So a great document to remind the certainly the, the company following it, but also the end user, the reader, okay yeah this is important and it just gives you that much more it empowers you with knowledge which is a lot of what we do uh, so that people can be aware they're going to have to be their own judge and jury when they're out there because you don't have a mat that's going to be able to fly in uh, when it's convenient for you uh, to take a look at what's going on.
2: Right oh, but you know another thing to arm listeners with is that ask the contractor you hire if you didn't find them off our website Ask them what standard are they uh, using when performing, you know, duct cleaning or doing any, any type of maintenance on your HVAC equipment.
1: Absolutely, and I'm gonna I want to bring that up at the very end too. So thank you for saying that. Um, you know, cleaning um, coils is always a touchy topic. Um, high level, um, tell me what this document is having us do here, to the so the reader understands.
2: Well, this is basically giving you guidance on like detergents and cleaners and uh, pressurizing water to, uh, that's not gonna physically damage the coil itself. Uh, You know, for example, if you go out there with a a pressure washer and hit it to a coil real close, you're probably gonna damage the fins on that. But uh, this right here is telling you on best practices on how to do it, Uh, you know, for example, um, it says pressurized chemical and water cleaning methods such as pressurized washers and chemical injection systems shall be utilized for coils with a depth of four rows or greater. So, you know, it actually requires a contractor to figure out exactly how and the best method of, of getting it clean. Now, for personal preference, when uh, customers go, hey, do you clean the coils? You know, my definition of clean and your definition of clean may be completely different. Yep. And I've always kind of told people that we wash the coils because there's coils out there that are so... Dirty and contaminated, that you're just not get them clean. And what the contractor has done is probably the best that can uh, be done, just short of replacing that coil.
1: A quick question about re- cleaning coil in place versus physically removing the coil to clean it, which obviously involves a number of extra steps, like pumping down the you know the equipment, yada yada. Right. Is there a way to help the? Um, user of this document determine whether or not it's easier, it's worth cleaning in place. I should say whether it's worth removing it or not to clean it.
2: Yeah. Well, one thing I can tell if, it, if a contractor comes to you and says that I have to, what they call a pulling clean, usually yep. in the industry is a pulling clean. Uh, the homeowner needs to go and look at it for themselves uh, to see if, you know, what they're saying is valid because unfortunately there's a lot of people out there trying to make a quick buck and not always telling the truth. So responsibility on the homeowner to go look at that. Um, if a contractor legitimately makes a, a, a uh, reference or suggest that you pull and clean it, I would not do that. I would suggest that if you're going to have to pull it and clean it, put in a new coil. And the reason being is, um, from my experience, a lot of guys, they'll pull this coil out and they'll clean it, they'll put it back in, and usually it results in contamination inside the refrigerant system because they didn't pull a proper vacuum. Mm. And or they did not put a new filter dryer back on the system, which is according to the manufacturer, every time the system is exposed to open atmosphere, a new filter dryer should be installed. And that usually never happens. And what you get is a bigger problem as if you were to put in a new evaporator coil and follow the installation protocol.
1: Now, well, at least the clients got to pay for that mistake. Oops. Well, I can see where you're coming from. So I, I know at the end of the day, it's still gotta be based off of the professional judgment of the contractor that's actually making those decisions. But what your experience has been is very valid because I don't know that most people would even have thought that, and that's important. It's like, if you're gonna go that far, you need to look at other considerations. I mean, if it's a brand new coil, maybe that's different. If it's a coil that's on its last leg, it's working with an honest, reputable company and a good place to start is ACA, um to see whether or not it is worth that call. I'm surprised and almost relieved to hear you uh, p- not push, uh, pulling and cleaning as much as I thought it was. I was always under the impression that if you didn't do it, you almost got like the you know the glasses down, look at you like with disappointment. But I, I understand with the challenges that you just mentioned, versus the return on the investment, it doesn't seem to be worth it a majority of times.
2: No, we wrote it in our standard because that may be an option. It may be a new system. You know. Uh, It could be a whole host of various scenarios, but just from my experience, when people have got the pulling clean, it has resulted in other issues, water leaks, uh, refrigeration problems. And if you're gonna go that far to pull and clean it, you, you can save so much more time by putting in a new coil.
1: This document does a great job going through the different components of the system. They talk about fan blades, motors. I love on the air handling unit and this section here, and I know it's mentioned elsewhere, but um, that even it's not just about having visible microbial growth on here, but even the insulation is wet. The document says, you know, if it's that way, just remove it. There's so many unknowns and complications with what might have grown or be harboring in that sort of situation uh, uh, wet or damaged otherwise insulation by the time you get done talking about it and this is my experience by the time you get done sampling it and for that and for the lack of peace of mind you get it's worth replacing it so uh, excluding extreme situations which again it's a case-by-case scenario
2: yeah i would just say for a technician standpoint and i'm glad you brought up the insulation that's wet i think uh fema had a guideline out there that if the uh insulation couldn't be driving in 24 hours it had to be replaced Um, But technicians need to understand that you got to get down to why that system's wet. And if you have a system that's not ducted correctly, it's not sized correctly, and then you start getting into psychometrics where uh, you start reaching dew point, um, you need to figure out why that is. Because if you put new insulation in there and there's an underlying issue, guess what? That new insulation is going to get wet as well. And here we are back to square one.
1: Absolutely. Good point. Good point. I mean, again, high level, this document keeps on going. You can see there's a bunch of subsections on there, it registers, diffusers, grills. It even gets into the ductwork system and describes different types of ductworks that you may very well have in your home and ways to look at it. I think these are really great points they make, very reasonable um, uh, ways to determine and assess them. Um, gets into even going as far, section 4.10 of, hey, you have a hard-to-get area in, around your ductwork, find a service hole or an opening um, I mean, the act is not messing around. Um, I've seen it happen to where a duck cleaning company goes in there and say, well, we can't reach it. And, and again, I know there's always exceptions, but you know, if you're going to do the job, do the job, I think is the takeaway here. Don't, don't, nickel and diamond, um, especially if it's main trunk lines, if it's large areas of duck. Um, I know sometimes it is physically impossible to get to poor designed uh, duck work systems in homes. But I'm sure that a majority of cases, if there's a will, there's a way. And especially if this is a home that you're planning, you know, this is a it's not just a house, right? It's a home. And if you want it to create and maintain sanctuary, you need to put in the investment and the time to keep this in this case, the lungs of your home as clean as you can.
2: Right, and there's several houses I know in Georgia where the uh, ductwork elbows down and goes behind the wall. Yeah, you right. Physically can't reach that unless you put a hole in the wall. Most people don't want to do that, but you need to make a. If you have the right tools, the right camera, different inspections, you can uh, you can navigate those challenges on most of this equipment.
1: Matt, are some of those techniques and approaches covered in standard four?
2: Uh, for the maintenance, yes, we talk about. Um, You know, the tools you may need to pull out an inspection camera and you need to check A, B, and C.
1: Yeah, okay, sure. Okay, good. Just a good reference. Section 5 is probably a little bit more at home with what I do, or at least used to do a lot more of, which is a site assessment. Um, It it talks about post-cleaning verification. And um, specifically, the thing I'm talking about is uh, Section 5.2.1, which is uh, verification methods. And... A couple things, I guess. Um, there's different methods that are accepted in the industry, and this is the part where you correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. Um, there's certainly a visual inspection. Does it does it seem to be a dust free? Um, if there is um if there is conflict or debate of the efficacy of clean, you can even do a surface comparison test to see what does it look like after I just ran this vacuum through. That sort of thing is, it, is does it look, does there a difference? And then you have the Natca vacuum test which is in the another standard in the ACR 2013 standard. Um, here, here, is there a preference? Uh, is there a norm? Like if, if it were you, Matt, I mean, what, what are a majority of people doing here in this industry? And what I mean by that is duct cleaning companies.
2: Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, from my experience, I can just speak to my experience that the two popular ones are the visual inspection and the surface comparison test. The vacuum test um, that I've seen that go that way when people are conflicting with a contractor saying this was done this wasn't done it becomes a he said she said okay we start getting that detailed yeah but for the, most of the people uh, doing a visual inspection, uh, I used to take pictures before and after yeah uh, to show people and I know there's certain customers that may not be able to go up into the or down in the crawl space but we have, there's uh, tools out there, inspection cameras that can take great pictures. Also, uh, there's Bluetooth stuff where a customer can look at it live. There you go. Uh, because seeing is believing, right?
1: That's right. Picture's worth a thousand words.
2: Exactly. So the visual inspection service comparison is what I've seen. And, you know, pulling out a, an old piece of duct or a section of duct or dislodging something off the side of the duct and saying, well, this is what it was and this is what it is now. Yeah. And customers go, oh, I see the value. In that, because to most homeowners, let's face it, to most homeowners, the air conditioning system is just the thing on the wall. Right,
1: right, (laughs) right. Yeah, if they know where it's at, and I ran into that before. Um, So, uh, just a quick note on the vacuum test. I think too, the takeaway is um, a lot of times folks, understandably, have a, uh, I guess. uh, expectation that ductworks need to be clean, like almost like an operating room or a clean room. Um, your ductwork work is, is kind of like a carpet from my perspective. It's a reservoir and inevitably it's going to build up with dust. It's not like you're eating off of it. And people have these different expectations of, um, normal, what would be normal in a duck work? Um, uh, uh, what, what was the baseline versus what would it look like afterwards? Kind of that comparison that you were you're given example of earlier. This is yet another reason why if you're somebody who has uh, health concerns, chronic illness, or certainly like Matt said, and when there's a contingent, you know, he said, she said thing where you're bringing in a third party indoor environmental consultant who can come in there and do this type of testing for you to at least address the issue of um, performance, uh, efficacy of clean, if you will, uh, using a metric uh, the, called the NAC vacuum test, which is looking for like a weighted dust sample. Basically, it's looking for, you know, how much dust did they find in a given uh, amount of you know cubic meter, uh, uh, cubic centimeters, that sort of thing, or, or square centimeters. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's uh,
2: similar to a, like a blower door test to see how well those ducts were timed and sealed
1: yeah right and then of course you can always take it it's outside the scope of this document but when you when the clients we work with you kind of get into issues where well is it contaminated with mold that's where you're that's really beyond the scope of many of these documents you need to bring in an iep an indoor environmental professional or somebody who can kind of be there at that process maybe kill two birds with one stone taking a look at both general cleaning performance and those other concerns um the um one thing i thought i I almost skipped over it earlier Um, When I was looking through all this, but I love that section six kind of just kind of brings to mind um, resurfacing products, mastic or closure products and things to consider. The document does a a great job of saying, be you know, be what user beware um, when it comes to using stuff that might um, cover a surface inside or outside of the duct work system. Uh, so I'm trying to keep it high level because I know we can dive into that one deep, but this is a great section to read. Um, really thought you guys did a great job on 6.3, just talking about different sanitizers, disinfectants, and other microbial, antimicrobial products. I think um, ACA's position is fair. Um, they're going to recommend, um, you know, making sure that it is um, registered and, and used as it is registered and intended to be used. Um, I think for that, maybe the five percenters that are out there, some of those folks that are listening are maybe chemically sensitive. This just, again, I told you I was going to reference this thing multiple times, is why you need to have an independent third party come out there like an IEP. Uh, and this would be appropriate to do maybe in the planning stages. So you're, you know you want to have your ducts cleaned or you're thinking about it. You've even found maybe a, co- a company to use on ACA's website, their little search engine tool that they have. But now you want to have somebody kind of there during the bid and the estimating process to take a look at the cleaning process from A to Z. I highly recommend during those situations that you work with a third party because those sorts of things and exposures are not going to really be covered by this document, nor could it. There are so many moving parts, so many different variables. Everyone's different. Everyone has different sorts of exposures. So uh, for those of you listening, this document is, I mean, there's more here that we're going to talk about, but it's so full with good information and things to consider and doing the cleaning the right way. But there's still little bits of things that you might want to have an IEP help you with. And I think I would just have you start with reaching out to that IEP and saying, can you take a look? at this estimate from this company and what they're planning on doing and tell me if we need to modify it or if it looks good. The appendix section, I'm not going to go through it like we did the main body. I just want to give you some credit, some highlights here is that it really goes down into more detail. Now, this is not part of the standard. This is just additional information uh, for the readers, um, uh, learning and and all that. Uh, Take a look at it. Um, it gets into, uh, dives into deeper issues about and considerations when you're cleaning the ductwork or assessing it. Um, section, um, I think it was B, um, I was asking about the tools earlier. I forgot that I found it in Standard 6. Um, kind of expectations of what maybe you would think a company would show up to your home with to do their job. The one thing I want to do real quick as we're kind of winding down is I wanted to bring up something um, there are other standards out there in our industry. Uh, for example, the IICRC S520 is a mold remediation standard. Um, they have a section in there, uh, Section 13, that talks about the HVAC system. And they mention NADCA. Um, you guys mentioned NADCA. Can you give our audience a, a, just a brief overview of uh, two parts here, the difference between ACCA and NADCA, like who's who, what's what, and then the transition into why would somebody use maybe the standard six, which is a fabulous document to use regardless, versus the ACR 2013?
2: Sure, no problem. Well, ADCA, um, excuse me, ACCA, not, AC, uh, ACCA is <clears throat> the trade organization that we kind of have an umbrella. Of. We have a wide range of different stuff that we better the industry with, with sizing equipment, uh, doing duct design. Uh, psychometrics, you know, just stuff like that. So we're for the contractor that's out there doing those replacements, the services, the maintenance, everything like that. And we develop the best practices uh, to hope contractors will use. And we base that, then we take it a step further. When we get into that more advanced stuff, we'll jump over to NADCA, which they focus on specifically for contractors that are in the duct cleaning business. So when uh, ADCA contractor, uh, ACCA contractor, says you know whoa, this might be a little extra. This is where they want to refer to the NADCA standard on getting an issue resolved for a client. Um, so NADCA is specifically focused for duct cleaning contractors. ADCA is focused on your general HVAC contractor that fall under the umbrella of various tasks that. Um, we have to do on a daily basis you know, to keep the service department and the install department running.
1: Well, and, and uh, in terms of uh, you know, supply, there are a lot of contractors that are probably gonna be more associated with ACCA, which are also offering these duct cleaning services. I know duct cleaning only service companies exist, but mm-hmm. by the numbers I'm imagining there's way more HVAC contractors that are gonna be uh, identified through ACCA and are following these BECs, perhaps at least the ones that are registered and doing what they need to be doing through you guys. Um, And that what I'm hearing you say is that if they run into a situation where maybe a client wants a little bit more detail, because that's what I heard from you offline earlier is that that's, because when I look at standard six, I'm like, this is pretty darn detailed. I don't know if you're not giving yourself enough credit, but um, I think it looks pretty damn good. acr i what i heard you saying i don't want to put words in your mouth is it just gives you a bit more detail it gives you maybe some more scenarios that you might run into is is that fair in your opinion
2: it is fair and i would you know like i told you earlier before we started everything that uh i kind of look at ACA for the most part to help listeners gather this is that you know we got some really good secret sauce It's almost you go to your uh doctor for a routine checkup they know a bunch of information but when it's time to move over to that spe- that specialist yeah, that may require some uh, extra TLC that's where we start referencing um, you know organizations like madka to help us supplement our information and deliver a good quality product to our members and to the clients
1: so you guys are um, you guys are working together it's not like you guys are competitors if I could just say it that way
2: that's correct we uh, you know we work with uh, several other organizations. Um, Natca, uh, for this example, has to be happens to be a really good highlight. But uh, yes, uh, we we set the egos off to the side, and we want to do what's best for the industry.
1: Which is again why I wanted you guys on the show is because you guys demonstrate that through the content you provide. Let alone what I've seen today, and I appreciate that. Um, I know that you reminded the audience um, there, and I will list uh, links to Standard 4, uh, which is this document right here. Um, we'll also get a link to uh, Standard 6. Um, we'll also put on uh, the videocast um, a link to that uh, finding a contractor. Uh, I think that's a great, useful tool. Are there any other parting thoughts, words of wisdoms, friendly reminders that you'd like to share with our audience before we end today?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, another another resource that uh, contractors should be following when it comes to, you know, let's say we're going to have to replace ducts or you have a system performance issue is uh, our ACA Manual D. And that's our standard uh, right there on the screen for uh, telling contractors the proper way to size ducts, get them installed, different layouts. That's a, a fantastic resource uh, for contractors. Also really good reading material for any homeowners that are uh, looking to have that done or they've had that recommended to be done in their home. Right. Um, going another final thought I'd like to suggest is, is that when you hire a contractor, you know, take time, sit down with them, address all the concerns. The idea behind our standards is to help reduce frequency of breakdown of systems, whether you're doing the cleaning or the repair. We all also want to increase the useful product life of the system. So if these standards are uh, executed by contract to get uh, longevity out of your system. And if you put the right IAQ products, which is indoor air quality products, inside your system, you can start breathing cleaner, fresher. You know, we've written for the industry to help everybody uh, you know, live that standard.
1: And I, and I know uh, on the audio you were breaking up just a bit, but just to reiterate, because I think it was a solid point, is it, it's, it's not just about the cleaning, it's about the normal operation, the design, the functionality of the equipment. Because, it, you know, fine, clean your ductwork, fine if you have to replace it, but if, if, if the bones and the skeleton of the system aren't operating correctly, if you don't have somebody who's got the credentials to even come into your home in your situation and, and diagnose it, assess it, chances are it's going to be just kind of a boomerang effect where it's just going to come back. You're going to have other issues or similar issues. Matt's been kind enough today to even give us a few examples of just when you thought removing a coil, for example, was a good thing to do. It may not consider a couple things. And I think that one of the, there's a lot of takeaways from today, but I think a big one is the importance of hiring people with knowledge and experience. And I think ACA, what originally attracted me to them is just kind of their, they set the bar so high nowadays. It seems like if you can find somebody with even the least bit of integrity, uh, character, putting the clients' needs first. Oh my God, did I say that out loud? Putting the clients' needs first. <laughs> um, it is such an attractive thing, and I think ACA honors that. And they are a friend. They are a resource. So if you are in need uh, of a, uh, your system to be checked, possibly clean, maybe replaced, start here. Start with ACA. Look at the resources that we've talked about today. Uh, take a look, go on, go online, read more about them. They are a great company. Matt, thank you very much for your time today. We appreciate it.
2: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: The content of this show is for informational purposes and represents the sole opinion of the host and its interviewees only. Any reliance on the information provided in this show is done at your own risk. Additional opinions and or research may change our current view of the topics spoken in this show. We do our best to minimize any inaccuracies presented and make legitimate efforts to back all comments with our own field experience, independent literature, or studies that support the topics discussed. This information should not be used to make conclusive decisions regarding your health or exposure. Ultimately, all questions and or concerns regarding your health should be addressed by a qualified physician. Additional exposure concerns and or questions pertaining to the health of your home or building should be addressed by qualified and on-site professionals. Any and all products and services discussed in this show should not be construed as a recommendation, endorsement, or guarantee that their use is appropriate for your situation. In short, we hope this information is of value to you, but please do not act upon it without actual and individual consultation and guidance by professionals who have taken the time and appropriate collection of data to assess your unique situation.